What's up, everyone? This is Tifosi Football Radio. I'm one of your co-hosts, Christian Baldenza Ditacchio, and alongside me is my other co-host and partner in crime, Giuliano Caleri. Ciao, ragazzi. This is Tifosi Football Radio, talking everything soccer. Let's start. Let's get right into it and start with the UEFA Nations League. Uh, this has been going on the past couple of weeks. Um, our beloved Azzurri took on uh, Bosnia in the first game, and then uh, just yesterday competed against the Netherlands. Uh, two completely different performances, would you say, Giuliano? Yeah, I would agree 100%. Um, first game against Bosnia, Italy didn't look too great, if I have to be honest. But in the second game against the Netherlands, it was a completely different Italy. Completely new starting 11 picked by Roberto Mancini. Um, so I can't complain about that second performance. They are, at the end of it all, first place in the group, considering they beat the hardest team as well. So not too bad, but we'll get into a little bit more detail with that. What do you think about the uh, results? Well, you know, the results were good. Um, I wasn't too happy about the Italy-Bosnia game. Uh, I think we played uh, horrendous in that game. We just, uh, it looked like a nightmare. You could tell that these players, you know, they just came off summer vacation um, and uh, are just getting ready for the preseason. This is kind of where Italy hurts. Um, at the start of these na- these international breaks in September, you know, the, the teams haven't even started playing yet for the club. And uh, you could tell in that first game that they were really rusty. Uh, second game, a lot better. That's the Italy we know and love. Um, and uh, it's great to see them back there. Uh, of course, the one unfortunate thing is Nicolo Zaniolo goes down, uh, ruptures his uh, left ACL now. He just came back uh, from uh, eight-month uh, yeah, hiatus. Right after the New Year, right? Yeah, right after the yeah. New Year. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Roma fans, uh, we're going to be without Nicolo Zaniolo this year, which is, uh, we did, we, I don't know what we did to the Roman gods to uh, to, to upset them, but, uh, you know, the Roman gods like to make the Romanisti suffer, and uh, we're going to have to suffer a season without Zaniolo now. But uh, going back to the Nations League, I mean, that second game against uh, Holland, I think we dominated. We looked great. The midfield looked phenomenal, and I think uh, I think you have to really put uh, you have to put Jorginho in that anchor spot. It really made a difference uh, compared to Bosnia. I mean, Jorginho is that guy in the anchor spot. Nicola Barella, huge, huge, huge two games for him. He played well in both games. He was the one shining star in the Bosnia game, and uh, he showed why uh, Roberto Mancini has so much faith in him in the in the second game. And then Manuel Locatelli taking his debut um, for the Italian national team. Very well deserved and showed why he deserves to be there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we have talked about this before, Giuliano. There are some gaps up top with, uh, you know, there's some lackluster performances. One by uh, Federico Chiesa in Bosnia and then, yes. uh, you know, Moise Kane as well. I just you want to touch a little bit on that. Yeah, with regards uh, to Moise Kane, love him as a player. He has a lot of good traits he brings to the game. Uh, he is struggling a bit at Everton ever since his move from Uli to Everton. Uh, he didn't feature too much under uh, Ancelotti. I know at the beginning he gave him a few shots in the team, but he uh, kind of lackluster, perform- lackluster uh, performances. Um, just the one thing I don't understand, maybe you can give me some insight on this, is why Mancini continues to bring him in on the right wing. When he's a, a right-footed player, likes to dribble, has good speed, good strength. He's not a great passer of the ball. You know, to me, he should be playing on the left wing, cutting in, taking those shots. But you haven't seen you there, which is, you know, it's very hard to take in seeing you out of this team. He's a, he's a vital player. I think 
my opinion, he was probably the best player uh, in the first uh, game, in the Bozzi-Italy game. Uh, and he was pretty good in the, in the Netherlands game too, so he's very hard to get out of the team. So what do you do? What do you do in that right wing position now? Especially that Zaniolo, he was looking promising. Now he's on a serious, uh, his second serious ACL injury. It's not looking too good for him. We're a bit light there. Chiesa, to me, hasn't lived up to his uh, potential yet. He's a bit one-dimensional player. Uh, so what do you think? Maybe I mean, uh, you know, I don't think he really has a choice at this point. I mean, there's not much options out there in terms of uh, right wing attackers. You know, Moise Kane has the pace, but that's really all he has. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say he's an all-in-all-out striker because uh, the guy apparently evidently has no finish. You know, he had that one break in Holland and uh, really, really ruined that chance. Oh, I know. On his left foot. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that you got to score those. you got to finish those, and that's what uh, separates the good players from the great players. And uh, Moise Kane's got a lot to learn. Um, I really think uh, with Chiesa, Chiesa's got a lot of raw talent, uh, no real experience there. Um, he needs a couple more years under his belt playing club football. I think he needs to leave Fiorentina and really get exposure on the European stage in order to further develop his skills, and I think he's got a lot of promise still. I know he's very one-dimensional, um, and I know it's just a you know, run up the flank, cut in. That's all he really has right now. But you got to give the guy more time. He's a kid. And uh, he's got a bright future, um, but uh, you know that that uh, that right spot on the Nazionale up top. I mean, uh, it's it's up for debate now that Zaniolo's out. Uh, why not give Politano a chance? Yeah, no, I know Politano. There's Orsolini too. Yep. In Bologna, he's a solid player, young, a lot of promise. Just has to be given his chance, and he has to be more consistent in Serie A. Um, but also, you know, to move on, to move further down the team, you know, if we look at the midfield too, me being an Inter fan, or I should say Inter Tifosi, I got to give props to uh, our two goal scorers, Senzi and Barella. They played outstanding. Now, how Mancini gets them both to play together in that system with Jorginho and Locatelli, it'll be, it's a bit of a puzzle, something he has to figure out. But I think that's Italy's biggest uh, strength right now is their midfield. I just think they got to get it a bit sorted out. Five, you know, put the pieces together, especially with Baratti. He was out injured. Like when he comes in, who do you take out now? I know Locatelli was amazing in that last game. Uh, Jorginho, he wasn't. He doesn't. His game is he does nothing special. He's not yeah. fast. He's not strong. He's just an amazing passer of the ball. But he orchestrates the game like no other. I think in Italy, uh, he sees things that a lot of the midfielders don't see. Is a, a lot of composure that a lot of the other Italian midfielders don't have. And uh, so I think our midfield is pretty good. It's the best it's been in, I'd say, almost a, in maybe a decade since, I would say. since 2006. I would say. Um, the defense I was surprised a bit with, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what to expect from Giorgio Chiellini after that uh, another serious ACL injury. Um, I was impressed with Spinazzola, D'Ambrosio. For me personally, I think he's one of the best defenders in Italy. Highly underrated, doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, the guy is a consistent performer week in, week out for Inter. And uh, Donnarumma is Donnarumma. He's yeah. a solid goalie. It, Italy right now, you know, I, I, there's a lot of, I believe, good young talent in that, but you got to give it to him. I think he's the standout talent. Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say yeah. so. You know, if I'm just going to touch back onto the defense. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I know we've talked about it uh, many times. And, uh, you know, talking about that Giorgio Chiellini and Arthur Bonucci pairing. Um, drives me nuts. <laughs> I think it drives us both nuts. And uh, people that do know us know how much uh, those two drive us crazy. But, uh, you know, you can see the difference that Giorgio Chiellini makes when yes. he comes into the squad. Um, Leonardo Bonucci, I'm, I'm not a fan of. I've, I don't think I've ever been a fan of Leonardo Bonucci. I mean, he's a good defender. I don't think he's a great defender. And he plays with an arrogance. And uh, it, it drives me crazy personally. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say, though, is uh, if you're going to rely on Leonardo Bonucci as your main center back, you're going to be running into trouble because the guy is not a leader. Yeah, and yeah. he's shown it, right? He showed it at AC Milan that one year. He was didn't do anything. He wasn't the Leonardo Bonucci from Juventus. And he showed it in that Bosnia game. They they couldn't rely on him. As soon as Giorgio Chiellini comes into the mix, Leonardo Bonucci's a different man. And that's because the pressure is off him to lead the back. Giorgio Chiellini's leading the back. And he works really well with Giorgio Chiellini. And I think that's why Mancini has to stick with these two guys. Because Giorgio Chiellini, like it or not, is going to be leading out the national team at Euro now 2021. And uh, his partner is going to be Leonardo Bonucci because there's there's no better center back out there that plays better with Giorgio Chiellini than Leonardo Bonucci. And why is that? Well, sure, they play on Juventus together. Yeah. They play week in and week out together. I mean, Alessio Romagnoli is not ready. Uh, Daniele Rugani gets barely any minutes at Juventus and needs to leave. And every time he does play Rugani for Juve, it seems they lose. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's not looking too good for them. Exactly. Guy. I mean, you have some bright talents up and coming. I mean, Armando Izzo from Torino, he's, he's got some good talent there. Um, can be a good option coming off the bench, but he's, he's not Leonardo Bonucci level. Um, you also have some great young talents that are out there. Um, Filippo Romagna had a great season at Sassuolo on loan from Cagliari. And then uh, you also had uh, Kevin Bonafazzi, uh, Torino owned, went to Spal. Um, he's a he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, don't because Spal got relegated. Don't let that fool you. Uh, the guy was a rock at the back when he joined Spal in January. Exactly. In the end, it's a team game, you know. And being Spal, you can't expect them to. <laughs> they're going to get bombarded with shots. There's only so much one player can do in a team. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that being said, it's it was a good two games for Italy. Um, I would say more so the second game than the first game. Um, but uh, the second game really showed us the Italy that we know and love, showing us that we're back on the rise to becoming the Italian team that everybody knows we are. And, uh, you know, out looking onto the next games in October in the Nations League, uh, look out, Poland, we're coming for you. And, uh, you know, going to be w- hoping to win that group. And, uh, you know, Mancini has aimed to win the Nations League. Uh, the top uh, the top four, the semifinal and final, is in Italy next year. So it would be great to have the national team there on home soil winning the UEFA Nations League. Helps with the rankings and helps with uh, seeding for World Cup qualification. Very nice. I just got one question for you. Sure. Since you, of course, lifelong Roma fan over here. What was your, uh, you know, what did you think about uh, Florenzi's performance at right back? I was okay. I mean, uh, you know, let's face it. Alessandro Florenzi, on paper right now, he's a Romanista. He's, it's only going to be a matter of time before he does leave. He doesn't fit into Fonseca's system. He played well. Is he, uh, is he on loan at Valencia still? No, is no. He he's, back? he's back, he's but back. Uh, he's rumored to go to either Everton or Atalanta. So okay. um, Atalanta's either going to grab Zappacosta from Chelsea or Florenzi from Roma. And then the other option is uh, Everton for uh, Florenzi. Actually, Everton and Atalanta are in for both players. 
think so, those would be good moves for him. Yeah, so one's going to go to Atalanta and one's going to go to Everton yeah. in the Premier League. So I think it'd be good for him, especially for Alessandro Florenzi. I mean, uh, you know, he, in my mind, is the real cap- current captain for uh, the Roma. Uh, sad to see him go. He doesn't fit into the system anymore. Uh, still a phenomenal talent. Uh, I would agree with you, and I think that uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio should be right back instead of uh, Alessandro Florenzi on the national team. But I think Alessandro Florenzi can still offer a lot coming off the bench. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And what do you think about Mancini? How has he been doing, you feel? I think he's been great. Uh, I really like him uh, in the national team. He's really given a chance to these young kids. Um, I think if we had any other coaches out there, you wouldn't see chances. You wouldn't see talents like Senzi and Barella getting this chance, right? I mean, it's a huge, uh, it, it's like night and day uh, compare, when you compare him to uh, Giampiero Ventura, who was a stubborn man and, uh, you know, is the reason that we didn't qualify for World Cup 2018. The dark, the dark ages of Italian football. I never thought I would see that in my life. No, neither did I. Neither did I. It was probably one of the worst days of my life. So, uh, losing <laughs> to Sweden that day. I still have nightmares about it. But, uh, you know, it was. it's good that it happened because it forced the national team, the FIGC, to look at something different. And Roberto Mancini is that coach that can get you back on the right track. We always talk about this, that there are coaches out there that can get you on the right track, and there are coaches that will get you to that next level. Roberto Mancini is a proven winner, but realistically, in all of the managing that he's done throughout his career as a manager, he is that coach that can get you back on the right track. Is he going to get them to the next level? Hey, as an Italian fan, I hope so. Yeah, that, that's what has to be seen. Like this, in regards to his winning percentage, this is his highest winning percentage in his career. The second being that Inter Milan he had in two thousand four, two thousand eight. Uh, right now, his win percentage with Italia is sixty six percent win percentage. Uh, Inter was sixty one. So, being on a being an offensive player in his career, it's very surprising. He lays the foundations down for good defense. That's what I love about Mancini. He sets an amazing foundation. It seems he's done this with this team. And now it's just a matter of seeing. He, he did do it at Man City. He yeah. built a team there. He won their very first Premier League. Uh, and I hope we can see him replicate that fortune with Italy. It'd be nice because it's been a long, long time since yeah. we've seen any success with this Italian team. It's been, uh, it's been painful since 2006. It yeah. really has. I mean, uh, 2008, I mean, making the quarterfinals against and losing out to Spain, not... A lot in there because that's when Spain was on the rise and Spain won their uh, won the European Championship. 2010 was an embarrassment at South Africa. Marcello Lippi basically bringing the same squad he had in 2006 that had no legs left. Uh, you know, Euro 2012 was kind of an anomaly. We did not deserve to be in the final. I think the one game that's we deserved one result. actually the two games we deserved to win were we did deserve to win that England game because we dominated them, yeah. and we did deserve to win that Germany game. And uh, but uh, you know, it, it, you know that final, that three nothing final showed you we didn't deserve to be in the final with Spain. World Cup twenty fourteen, yeah, I mean uh, that was uh, an embarrassment. And yeah, uh, now Luis Suarez and Jorge Cavani can be best mates. Exactly, at Juventus. That's <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get further into the transfer rumors and all that. For sure, later yeah, on in yeah, the show. In the show yeah. um, and then you know, twenty sixteen, Antonio Conte bringing the worst Italians team in uh, the history of uh, soccer and uh, helped them punch above their weight and then of course you had that debacle in World Cup 2018 where not, we weren't even at the show 
Yeah. But uh, you know, we're yeah. on the rise. Yeah, and then Euro, you know, Euro twenty twenty, which unfortunately has been moved to next summer, obviously for obvious reason. I personally thought before, you know, uh, for COVID, I thought Italy, obviously next to the obvious favorites being France and yeah, and uh, you know Germany, those teams. I thought Italy was up there as one of the favorites to possibly maybe not win this tournament, but at least get to a semi. I really, think so. And really push for a final. Uh, this team, like I said, my, I think the Bosnia game was an anomaly. It was uh, it was their first game back. A bit of rust. People were on vacation mode. Sure. But I think they really showed their true colors in that Holland game. Absolutely. Was, I feel good. It makes me happy watching yeah. that. So, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah. That says everything we need to say for the Nationals. We got anything else to maybe wrap no. up with them? No, I mean, uh, you know, the one thing is, uh, you know, the dark days are over. It's yes. always darkest before the dawn, and the dawn <laughs> is coming, and it's here. And, uh, you know, Roberto Mancini is showing that uh, the dawn is coming. So yes, there's uh, there's high hopes for all the uh, Nazionale fans out there. So uh, just hang tight and uh, don't lose hope in them. I agree. So yeah, that ends part one of... Uh of the podcast in part two we're going to go into discussing city yeah we're going to talk about transfers predictions and all that fun stuff so stay tuned all right welcome back for part two we're going to talk some city yeah um so first i guess we'll talk about the last season yeah uh, how it went very strange season almost uh it was a year long process because of COVID-19 with that uh, few months break with the teams coming back um, exciting season though too it was it was very interesting what are your thoughts yeah I would say it was uh, I'd say it was exciting um, especially the restart the restart really showed um, it, it you know some teams got really hot and then uh, some teams that were really you know hot before the season stopped it stopped abruptly uh, went cold and uh, what's that Lazio being one of the the big teams yeah Lazio I mean uh, Lazio were they were on fire like they were a Scudetto favorite or or, or Scudetto contender not a Scudetto favorite but yeah I think no I know I think they lost like one game I don't know how many but they they didn't lose too many games and then yeah they lost the majority of their games towards the end of that uh, when that break you know was done and they came back they lost the majority of the games yeah and i mean i think i think that showed everyone because the season was so condensed at the restart where they were playing every three or four days it showed lazio's weakness and that they have no depth in that squad after that starting 11 you have one or two players that can come off the bench for you but when you once you rotate that squad they're, they're they're very 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 mediocre off the bench and I really think that showed and that exposed them. Um, you know, if the season was going the way it was, I mean, Lazio, uh, you know, Lazio only had, at that point in time, Lazio only had the Serie A race to worry about um, when they were firing on all cylinders. And uh, if it was properly spaced out and it was, and this COVID-19 didn't happen, I think Lazio may have won the Scudetto. Um, because they would have uh, had a proper balance of time off and uh, in between games. Yeah, it made it made a big, big difference. And you know, two two highlights from anything in that season. Obviously, been an Inter fan. It was nice to see Inter come back and be competitive. I think the one point difference at the end of the season doesn't show a true reflection of 
how their season went. Uh, Juve did take their gas, uh, their foot off the gas pedal towards the end. But, you know, I give Conte a lot of credit. I'm happy he stayed. I know some Inter fans didn't want him to uh, be on the bench for next season for speaking out against the board. But you know what? Business is business. This guy is a born winner. I think you just got to you gotta give him his chance. This is the best Inter we've seen in, in almost 10 years, so... Let him do his thing. You gotta give him the reins. You gotta you gotta put faith in his project. And the second obvious obvious point of the highlight for me for last season was Atalanta was unreal. Absolutely. Unreal in the season. Champions League unreal, just losing out to PSG in the last few minutes. Uh, was tough as a City F fan to see happen, but you gotta give him credit for what Giampiero Gasparini did and, and that squad with that with that uh, group of players. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, not so we won't spend too much time talking about last season because we got, you know, more for sure things to look into right now. But tell me quick what your highlights were and then we'll move on to the Yeah, if I'm gonna interject here, I think uh one way that I wanna highlight the City A season is Juventus didn't win the Scudetto in my books. It, the Scudetto story isn't Juventus won it. Because Juventus didn't earn it. I think the story for the Scudetto race is more so Inter lost it. And the reason why is because Juventus was so mediocre from season kickoff right to the very end. They were mediocre. And, uh, you know, they were they were lucky to get by. I mean, they got two penalties in the in the Atalanta game where Atalanta dominated them. Um, and uh, it was unfortunate. Like, a tie didn't do justice to that game. Yeah, that, that was a huge turning point. For sure it was. For sure it was. But the reason why I want to say that it's more so... Inter lost the Scudetto is because Inter had all these opportunities to catch Juventus, to go ahead of Juventus, and they were dropping points. You drop points against Sassuolo, against all these mid-table teams that you as a Scudetto contender should be smashing, and uh, didn't happen, and uh, that's the reason why Juventus won the Scudetto. And then Atalanta, I mean, uh, Atalanta was a huge surprise this year. I mean, I'm so proud of what they did in the Champions League. I mean, Holding PSG to two, three minutes left in the game and forcing that comeback. Like, that was huge. Um, you know, and that shows Atalanta's inexperience on the European stage. I mean, Atalanta doesn't play teams like PSG week in and week out like the top four teams usually yeah, do. I don't think anyone in City Act plays like no. PSG does. No, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, Atalanta, for a brief moment, for a brief moment when the season restart happened, was all of a sudden in a Scudetto conversation. It, it, it almost happened, everyone. It did. It almost happened. You may all be in denial. You may think it, I'm crazy. It almost happened. If they beat Juventus in that game, they're going to win the Scudetto. Yeah, momentum changes. Yeah. You know, even even if it wasn't Atalanta, you know, most likely they would have had the upper edge on Inter at that time, but it would have, I think, blown it wide open. Absolutely. Wide open. Absolutely. That game... You know, I hate to talk about refs, but that that last season for penalties was a yeah was a bit of a joke. I hope yeah. we don't see a repeat of that. With no, the amount of penalties that were given, I no. think City A was like double every other yeah. league in in the top five in the big five leagues in Europe. So I hope yeah we don't see leagues you know and games being decided on penalties anymore. No, you know? I would but, I would echo that. I think I think we need to look at. As a whole, we got to look at how you award a penalty these days. Because if you look at all the penalties that were awarded in Serie A last season, were there really 
was it really a clear scoring chance? I would say 75-80% it wasn't. Like the big example was, I'm going to go back to that to Atalanta-Juventus game. You know, that second penalty, Gonzalo Higuain shot the ball at Luis Muriel, who it's on the opposite side of the goal. So he's shooting away from the net. So purposely shooting it at Luis Muriel, and he gets a penalty for that. How's that? That yeah. that When Luis Muriel was facing the sidelines, I know it's... It, unfortunately, it's part of the rules. It's a stupid yeah. rule. Yeah. And the rules are the rules, and that's why they call them. But I agree. They, they have to be tinkered with, the rules. And I, I hope... I hope that changes because that does the game no justice. This is a, a low-scoring game. And, uh, you know, getting a free shot in F from 12 yards out for something as little as that, it, it, you know, it's not, does no justice to the game. So, no. But yeah, to move, to move on from last season, you know, which was a great season, now we have the new 2021 20, season coming up. And, uh, you know, where should we begin? I guess we'll begin, uh, let's talk about. City of B teams that got promoted. We got the Inzaghi brothers now into City A. Yeah, Benevento. Which is nice to see Filippo back after uh, his stint there with uh, Milano and yeah. and Bologna. And Venezia too in City of B. City of B, and yeah, he found his, I guess, his calling with Benevento. They're spending money too, Benevento. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of amazing. They bought Camille Glick mm -hmm. from Monaco, center back. So locking down that center back, they bought. Uh, uh, Lapadula, Gianluca Lapadula, former Milano player as well. So, yeah, some interesting signings there. And then you have Crotone. I don't know too much about these two teams, but Crotone and La Spezia coming up for the first yeah. time. La Spezia, Crotone just uh, was playing in City at two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, yeah, they finished second. It was a bit of a dogfight for second place mm -hmm. in Serie B. Um, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Crotone, they, got, they did enough to get there. Uh, La Spezia, you know, I really feel bad for this squad um, because, uh, you know, I watched them in the, in the City of B promotion playoffs and they played so well. Um, you know, everybody wrote them off against Frosinone in the final and, and, and they did it. They pulled off a major upset and they were higher seeded. So, uh, you know, they got they went through on, uh, uh, even on a tiebreaker for aggregate, which is great, well-deserved. Um, but here's my problem with, uh, with La Spezia. Uh, I don't really have a problem with La Spezia. This is where I feel bad for them. I don't think they have a chance in surviving a season in Serie A. And here's my reason why. You were playing the Serie B promotion playoffs only a couple of weeks ago. So only a couple of weeks ago, you won the promotion playoffs and found out, hey, I'm playing in Serie A. So you have maybe three or four weeks to prepare for a season in the top flight where you know the talent is a lot better. And, you know... You don't have time to bring in new players, right? Yeah, to draw them into the team. You don't. It's yeah. There is there's little to no time. Yeah, there's little to no time. The and teams that have time that come up in City uh, for the first time, they usually go straight down. Exactly. Right so the the cards are really stacked against uh, La Spezia. I think so. Time around, yeah. I think so. You know, I think Benevento. I mean, you just said so. You know, sometimes teams that have time to prepare go straight down. Benevento, I think, has got it right this time. I mean, they've known geez, for like a few months now that they're going to be playing in Serie A because they, they just, they, they were Serie B champions like with like 10 weeks to spare. Like that's how far ahead Benevento was. 
I'm not entirely accurate on that, but it, it was a long time. Yeah, it was a, they dominated. It was a long time. Like they were already buying players for next year and approaching free transfers. And you know, you got Pasquale Foggia, former Cagliari player, who's leading the charge there, recruiting all these players. He's got great connections on the transfer market. And then you know, you got a good coach in people in Zaghi. I think, and you got some really good pieces at Benevento. I mean, you have Christian Maggio right back. Even though, you know, he's he's definitely he's a lot back. older. He's back in. He's back in. You got Marco Sal yeah. as center forward, right? So, I mean... Who did pretty good in Serie A with Cagliari. You can't, you know... That's right. I mean... Not too prolific, but, you know, this is... These are players with Serie A experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that can take you a long way in this uh, this upcoming jam-packed season, I think. I know, think so. Gonna have. I think so. And then, you know, Crotone, I mean... Uh, Crotone is starting to splash money in the market, bringing in some uh, some some better talent. I wouldn't say it's like top. It's obviously not top of the line talent, but they're bringing in some good talent to really beef up their squad. But they're bringing them all in now, and the season's what two weeks away. Yeah. So away. you know how do you gel those guys in so quick? You can't. It's gonna take time. So Crotone, I'm gonna be, Crotone. I think is gonna go down yeah. right away. Anyways. But it'll be interesting to see how they uh, yeah, how they show up. We're gonna give just for fun. We're gonna give our predictions, even though it is a bit early. But we are gonna give our predictions, and uh, we'll go into a little bit more detail with that. But is there any other teams you think this year that may cause a surprise, like a you know outside of the big the big boys? Do you think there's gonna be any other teams that might punch a bit above their the rate this time around? I don't know. The Fiancés, be... the Parmas, the Nazis of this world, Sampdoria. I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Like you got Torino with Gianpaolo. Yeah. He was just signed. How do you think that will? I think it'll. I think it'll be good. Torino, where Torino finished last season, is not where Torino realistically is. Torino's got so much talent on that team. They got a phenomenal goalkeeper who's one of the most underrated goalkeepers in Salvatore Sirigu. I know. You, you no, got a, no luck for Sirigu. I feel sorry for Toto Sirigu. Yeah. Great. Great talent. Great talent. Yes, he's 34 years old, but arguably he's one of the best Italian keepers in the world right now. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, if we were to go back to national team, Buffon, Sirigu, absolutely looking in a lot of national teams, I believe. But anyway, yeah. Absolutely. So I think Torino is probably going to, I think Torino, I see Torino as a mid-table, but a higher mid-table team. Um, that's if, uh, you know, that's if your strikers start firing. Is Simone Zaza going to start firing? Is uh, Your best friend Bellotti. Yeah, you know Andrea Bellotti. You know what? This is my little thing about Bellotti. He is an overrated Italian forward in my books. And in, in uh, an era when there's not, let's face it, a good plethora of forwards, we really don't. This has no. been the yeah. I would most say lackluster Italian striking yeah department we've had in ages. Yeah, I would say this is probably the probably the worst. Strike striker group, well, yeah. sorry, worst group of strikers we've had yeah. in the Italian nationally. Like we don't have a, like a Christian Vieri, Luca Toni, people in Zaghi. Like th- those days are gone. We don't have them. Our our top talent is Ciro Immobile, but to tell me that Andrea Bellotti is your number two is crazy. You know how many goals Andrea Bellotti scored last year? He scored sixteen goals. How many of them were from the spot? Seven. So. You can say the same thing for Chiro Immobile. Yeah, Chiro Immobile scored 36 goals, and people don't realize this. 14 were from the spot. So, yes, I get that. But Andrea Bellotti, you're the captain of Torino. 
you're the Italy number two in the number nine position. And all you can do is score nine goals from the actual play. Come on. I know it's tough. With Come on. Walter Mazzari was the coach. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a bit of the coach, a bit of the system. Maybe he doesn't have the midfield. Like we said before, it is a team game. Maybe he doesn't have the players behind him supporting him. The guy can't create anything. I know. That's what it is. And he is a former midfielder. That's he started true. his career as a midfielder playing as a striker. That's true. That's so, true. Well, John Luigi Buffon was a striker who all of a sudden, in, in, as a kid, changed to goalkeeper. Yeah. Look how that worked out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, agree. He, Belotti, he has to turn it up this season, I think. He does. He's been, uh, he's got to show a bit more grinta. <laughs> yeah, no, he really does. I mean, if you're going to be the captain of a historic club like Torino, and yes, Torino is a historical club. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they've been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, Juventus was in their shadows back in the day. Yeah, so before the big disaster there. Exactly. So, you know, you're the captain of Torino. I want to see 15, 20 goals from yeah, you. They don't belong in 16th place with the Finnish last No, they, they don't. Last year. They don't. Especially when you got guys like Simone Zaza and Andrea Balotti yeah, as your two, pair. Two national players. Not like, just, you know. Come on. Yeah. Right? They got, a, they got a good midfield. Good defense. Yeah, it's not... I said maybe doesn't have support, but yeah, it's not a terrible team. There's a lot no. of more teams with less uh, yeah. support than he has. And yeah. They do. They have to do yeah. better. I hope, hopefully, that's that's so with bringing Gianpaolo in, you're hoping, you know, he did fail at Milano. Let's say, you know, what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. He failed. Well, the other thing that we got to do... Change it around, so you know. The other thing, too, is uh, a lot of people are not talking about it, but Carl Linetti from uh, Sampdoria signed to Torino. So you got, now you guys got a really gritty center defensive midfield yeah, oh, sure that's coming. Yep, yeah. and uh, I've been following this guy from Lech Poznan, so, uh, who is the best team in the extra class, by the way. Uh, shout out to all Lech Poznan fans. <laughs> but uh, this guy's a phenomenal player, and uh, he deserved to go to Sampdoria. He did some great work at Sampdoria. And now he's going to go beat the anchor at Torino. So let's see what Torino does. I think that's probably going to be Torino is going to finish mid-table. Other teams, I really don't think are going to surprise. Fiorentina's a disaster. Uh, you know, Fiorentina's a disaster. You got Beppe Iacchini as your coach. That guy, you know, yeah. all the respect in the world to Beppe Iacchini, but you're not going to win anything. You're not going to qualify for any European soccer, like you're like any. Continental, like Europa League or Champions League, with Beppe Iacchini. Beppe Iacchini is going to keep you in the Serie A. That's all he does. Right? You got Firenze should be aiming higher than that. Firenze is one of the, what do they call it, the seven sisters of, uh, like, one of the, they're one of the, they call them one of the seven sisters of Italian soccer. And uh, Fiorentina should be gunning for a Europa League spot or even a Champions League spot. But. You know, it's not going to happen this year. Sorry. What do you think about Comiso's uh, work as the new owner? He's got a lot of work to do still. I think uh, figure out your coaching situation, splurge some money, um, and get some talent. And do you think they did the right thing now? That You, you know, by keeping Chiesa, you think they should have cashed on him? Because that was a big one. He was rumored to go to Juve. I like Federico Chiesa. I, I like him a lot. I know he's really raw. He doesn't show well for the Italian national team because he's so one-dimensional. But people got to remember, he's in his early 20s. He's got a lot to learn. 
And uh, I think with a little more experience, he's going to be a rock star. But if he's going to be under the tutelage of Beppe Akini again. Is he going to learn anything in this no, game? No, he's not. He's not going to learn. I don't think he's going to learn anything this season. Beppe Akini gets you through this season because it's such a short turnaround time. So it's really hard to bring in a new coach um, given that you've only had a month to prepare for the new season because of COVID-19. So I think um, Beppe Iacchini gets you through this season, but you got to look elsewhere like a Luciano Spalletti. Beppe Iacchini is a guy that's going to hold you. What we said about Roberto Mancini, where Roberto Mancini gets you on the right path, Luciano Spalletti, same kind of coach, will get you on the right path. And he's from Firenze. Yeah. Go for him. I know. He's, I think he's on Inter's books right now. Yes, he is. So he does have to be bought out. But it's crazy to think a club would make a move for a proven coach like that. Yeah, Like absolutely. you said, he doesn't win you trophies, but he's another coach. He sets the foundations. Like In Roma's heydays, when he was there, Roma was always on the brink of, uh, 100%. of something big. 100%. You know, and, and Inter, after Inter's dark days, he came in as Inter manager. Yeah. You know, set a solid foundation for Conte to come into and... Uh, build a successful team with and I, yeah why not absolutely he deserves to be coaching the city at so and a legacy so it's yeah. it's it's a shame to see these two talented coaches uh being wasted yeah 100 percent. you want a surprise you want a surprise for I'll this give, season i'll, I'll give you a surprise is this a prediction this is a prediction okay this is a prediction and a lot of people are going to think i'm crazy for saying this you're a roma fan so you're a bit crazy <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you right now the bottom three are going to obviously be La Spezia, Crotona. I think Benevento's going to stay uh, because of all the work they've done to prepare themselves for this season. Yeah. That third team that's going down is going to be Udinese. Oh, boy. Udinese is going to go down. And a lot for a lot of people that don't know, I don't think Udinese has ever played in Serie B before. They've only played in Serie A. If, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to check that right now. Um, but Udinese, in my opinion, they have been around... The Pozzo family, great family, you know, they bought Granada, uh, sold Granada in La Liga. You know, they had Watford. They still have Watford, who just got relegated. Just got relegated, yeah. Um, Maybe that's foreshadowing for what you're saying, right? But the fans of Udinese are protesting because the Pozzo family is not putting anything into this Udinese team. And Udinese was lucky to survive the Serie A season. They were so mediocre. I mean, they got some good players. You know, you got DePaul, but DePaul's rumored to leave. DePaul's ba- and you got Kevin Lasagna, who I think is a great striker, well, uh, or I would say center forward. He's not an all-out striker, but he's a good center forward. Um, so, so you have Kevin Lasagna, who's rumored to go to Atalanta. Sorry to cut in quick. Yeah, they they have been relegated to City B, but back in the mid '80s. Okay, so they haven't for a bit of a scandal, but we won't get. To in depth yeah. that, so keep going. Okay, so sorry, so Udinese has been played in Serie B before, but it's been a long time. It's been over thirty years. So they've, they've been one of the, say the twenty first century. They've been one of the top Italian teams. Yeah, well, maybe not fighting for Scudetto or anything, but they've played in Europa League. They Champions League kept failing to Arsenal, which drove me nuts. Yeah. They would lose every qualification, but. They are a big team in the yeah. 21st century in first city. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact that they're going to lose, uh, they could potentially lose Kevin Lasagna. Because um, I know there was some rumbling a couple weeks ago that Atalanta was looking at Lasagna. Um, DePaul is DePaul's going to go. 
He's gonna. I think it's Leicester City. That's that's after DePaul. I think uh, it's Leicester City. I believe so. Yeah, yeah he's rumored with a few, yeah. few teams. And after that, who do you have? I mean, you have a great goalkeeper in Juan Musso. I mean, Juan Musso, who should eventually be the Argentina number one goalkeeper. Set, set the record for clean sheets. Yeah. I'm sorry, he didn't set the record. He was the leader for clean sheets last yeah. season. But as a goalkeeper... All great he, great all, goalkeeper. He's a fantastic goalkeeper. But as a goalkeeper on a, on a team game, in a team sport, like football, soccer... What can a goalkeeper do? A goalkeeper can keep you in the game. Can a goalkeeper win you a game? They can steal you a game here and there. But a goalkeeper can't score. Who's going to score on Udinese? Who's going to create chances if guys like DePaul and Lasagna go? Okakachuka? Yeah, right. I don't. They don't have... They have nobody. They have... They've kind of been on a downward spiral. They did... You know, they did have... The only thing that might keep them up in Serie A is they do have a solid defense... But another strike towards them, to kind of prove your theory, is they lost their coach, Igor Tudor. Yeah. He's now Andrea Pirlo's uh, assistant. That's right. You know, Andrea Pirlo purposely brought Igor Tudor to be his kind of defensive coordinator. You know, he said that himself in an interview. So now does Udinese lose that defensive, uh, you know, I don't that mean defensive to... fortitude that they had? Yeah. He, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we have to. We have yeah. to see what happens. But so that's one of your relegation teams, eh? Yeah. So who do you have in your bottom three? You want to get into predictions now? Let's do it. What is my bottom three? I haven't thought about it too too much. But since I've been put on the spot here, I do think I hate to see the southern teams go down. You know, but I can't see Crotone staying up. I just don't, I agree with you, I don't think there's enough time for them to uh, to build that, that team, you know, that unity to, to stay up and to buy the red players. Same thing with La Spezia, they're in the same boat. I just can't see it happening. There's just not enough time. And a lot of the teams in Serie A are getting better. Uh, Serie A is not what it was, you know, half a decade ago. Now you got, you have Milan played phenomenal at the end of the season, you know, Roma's been playing better, although they did, you know, lose. And I want to bring this up to you guys. I know we talked about it earlier in part one, but they lost Zaniolo, and mm-hmm. that's going to change their season big time. Big time. But they did make, uh, you know, some contract renewals. They signed Mkhitaryan, and they, re- you know, yeah. they afford him. And Mkhitaryan also said in his uh, interview that uh, he thinks yeah. that Serie A is one of the most underrated leagues. It's no credit. It's yeah. no credit. Gets that's why we're here. We're hoping to bring some <laughs> Exactly. Credit, you know, from Canada, we're hoping to bring some uh, notoriety to City uh. but yeah and then you got your Lazio's Atalanta Inter Juve you have the big boy Sassuolo who's amazing I think they're a solid team Parma very hard to beat on their on their day definitely you know so it's going to be tough for these teams to even you know get out of that relegation fight because there's so many great teams so I, for my so for my relegation teams I'll say the Spezia Crotone I don't see Benevento getting relegated I think they're going to be in that 16th to 18th spot okay it's hard I'm going to say out of all the the teams I you know I was a big fan of Calvary last season yeah you know I I had them in my top five predictions mm-hmm. uh, for last season they started so strong and they let me down towards the end they finished horrendously 
Um, but I just I can't see that they got too much talent. They got too much talent. They got too much talent to be getting relegated. Maybe Genoa. I hate to. I would hate to see Genoa go, but they conceded seventy three goals last season. Yeah, they 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 barely survived, but uh, terrible terrible results. They got a new coach coming in. New coach. They got Mattia Pitin for another season too. Mattia Pitin. They got Rolando Marin coming in, who was the Cagliari coach yep. from last season. Unbelievable start. Like I said, they faded right towards the end. So now he's coming in as the Genoa coach after Davide Nicola got fired. We'll see. That, so that, that would be my bottom three. I'm going to say La Spezia, Genoa, Crotone, in no specific order. They're my bottom three going. Okay. okay. You, have, you haven't given us your bottom three yet, right? Well, my bottom three are Udinese, Crotone, yeah. and La Spezia. And La Spezia okay. Udinese, 18th. Crotone, 19th. La Spezia, they'll be lucky if they win more than five, six games. Right down to the details. Look at that. Yeah. That, that's my predictions. Very bold, but hey. Let's so let's do... Let's do our top seven, right? That's all the European spots. Uh, well, Start yeah, from seventh. Top top six. Top six is your two your two are Europa. Seventh, uh, that seventh spot that's now is Coppa Italia, right? right? Coppa Italia. So it could potentially Unless. be a seven. So we'll do our do our top seven. Let's do our top seven. Let's do our top seven. You guys start from who you think will be seventh all the way to first. <laughs> okay, um, seventh place. It breaks my heart to say this, but I think Roma is going to finish seventh. I think Roma is going to be a sixth or seventh place team this year, uh, especially losing Nicolo Zaniolo. Uh, no. I know. Sorry to cut in, but that's huge. I know that Zaniolo. You know, I was watching <laughs> the All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspurs documentary, and to tie it in, I find it unbelievable what these players are put through, especially with the medical staffs. You know, like yeah. the comparison I'm trying to make here is Harry Kane. He uh, last season primarily had a full rupture of his hamstring and he was playing with a grade one tear of his, of his hamstring the entire season I don't know in what world why the, the doctors would allow a player worth that much money that's so important to a team continue to play with a grade one strain you let the guy rest for two weeks fully heal come back you got nothing to worry about instead they keep playing him boom complete rupture now you're out 12 weeks it makes no sense to me the logic doesn't add up and I feel like that's what happened to Zaniolo because he came back from that ACL right so fast. I couldn't believe how fast yeah. he was cleared to play. And obviously, I know it was his other knee, but obviously he was not ready to come back, in my opinion. Yeah. And his career could be over. Who knows? I hope that he's not another Giuseppe Rossi. That was yeah. disappointing. I had all the hope in the world that I would you know, light Italy up. Yeah. You know, just knock on wood, we hope that it's not the same thing. You know, these guys are too young, too skillful to see, you know, yeah. them fall right off like that. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. But, I mean, I, you know, we new ownership group and Dan Friedkin, it's... Yeah, it's tell me about that. It's huge for us. I mean, James Palotta was a disaster, and uh, we all know that. Uh, he, uh, you know, James Palotta never wanted to win. A Scudetto. He only was cared about making money. And as much as he told you it's all about the Scudetto, he put out a very mediocre Roma team. And let's face it, Roma have been in an identity crisis since we won the Scudetto in 2001 with Capello <laughs> and Batico. Um, and Francesco. Yeah, Francesco Totti. Who could forget? Here's my thing with Roma. We've always been seen as a contender in these last 19 years, when in reality we have never been. 
we've never had, other than Francesco Totti, Daniela De Rossi, we've never had that forward or that star player that was going to take us to the next level. And I'm not saying Francesco Totti was not a superstar because he's a legend. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, but what did Roma need to do to win that Scudetto that year? They had to bring in Batistuta. What has Roma done since then? Nothing. Jekyll. Yeah. And then Jekyll, okay. I, is Francesco Totti there? Who's creating the midfield? Nobody. 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 So Kevin Struman. Yeah. This is my point with Roma. This is my point with Roma. We are, have been an identity crisis that we're a Scudetto contender. So we put these Band-Aids or we think we're just a piece away from winning the Scudetto. So we buy these players that we think are going to take us to the next level when in reality, we haven't built properly. We're not built properly. We're not built around a player. So now we need to accept the fact that we need to rebuild. And this year, Dan Friedkin was going to say, we're going to rebuild. And who was going to be that star player? Nicolo Zanaiolo. Yeah, we were going to build around him. Now we can't this year. So this is why we suffer as Roma fans. Because we think, we think we're a Scudetto contender when reality, we're not. We're nothing better than a, than a fourth place at best Champions League qualifier. We're probably, we're, we're, Atalanta's better than us. Atalanta is better than us. Well, of course, look. Look at that season. Yeah, Atalanta is better than us. So, I so had we, Roma. Yeah, yeah. I, I had Roma on the bridge on a fourth, fifth finish with Nicolo Zaniolo going out. Oh, there. You're saying seventh now? They're seventh. Like that. They're Even seventh. With Pedro coming in, the legendary Pedro's yeah. won every trophy that could be won. On the I don't think either. Pedro's going to change the Roma team. Yeah, I really don't enough. think so. I think he's going to be great, a great option at right back. But uh, right back. Yeah, they're going to play him right back as a defender. They're going to play him right back, right midfield. They're going to shuffle him. Right, Holy we got God. some pace, but I really don't think uh, I really don't think that guy's going to take you to the promised land. He really isn't. Thirty three years old, solid player, huh? solid player though. Nothing but respect for him. You know, goalkeeping. We have goalkeeping problems in Paulo Lopez. Uh, you know, he's been a bit disappointing. He has game. been, but he wants to stay and prove his worth. So let's see what happens. Which you got to com- condemn. You know, commend him for it. You know? well, I commend him for that. I commend him for that. That's good. Shows loyalty to the badge and yeah. Defensively, we have problems. Uh, center backs are a problem. Uh, yeah. We might get uh, Smaldini from uh, Manchester United <laughs> and Chris Smalling, everyone. That's Chris Smalling. Smaldini. He is Smaldini in my book. Not confirmed yet, though, right? Not confirmed yet, but they're working on it. That'd be a good pickup for yeah. them. So far, so far, your signings are Jordan Vertu, who played with you last yeah. season. Now the loan's completed. Gianluca Mancini, Nikitarian, Carlos Perez. Those are all yeah. confirmed in your news play. So yeah. no, no big new signings. No big new signings. That's my point. Yeah. And if you think Gianluca Mancini is going to be your star center back, good luck. All he's good for is the yellow card. That's so it. Uh, I'm telling you, every time I watched him play and the ball was going to him, I had to hold my breath because I was scared. Him and Cristante, those guys are, are nuts. Yeah. Are nuts. Sorry. They're not nuts. They're just bad players. My <laughs> um, okay, tell us who you're... Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's move on. on. So I got... Uh, so my sixth place, I think, is going to be Milan. I think Zlatan's going to take them uh, right in the same spot they finished last year. They deserve to finish where they did in sixth spot. And I think they're going to have a nice, solid number six finish again. Most informed team. You don't see them moving up? No, no, I don't. Not compared to the other teams. My fifth place is a team that drops down. 
you may you may think I'm saying this because I'm a Romanista, but I have Lazio finishing fifth outside of the Champions League spot. And here's why. Yeah, tell us briefly why. This is why. We talked about it earlier. Lazio showed they don't have any depth in that squad outside of their starting eleven and outside of one or two guys. And they, you know, and to go back to transfers, I'm looking at it right now. They haven't really added anybody. Nothing. They, they just added Gonzalo Escalante from yeah. SD Ibar. Yeah. They added Pepe Reina as a he's a backup. As a backup. He's yeah, he's the good. number he's one. Way too good to be uh, taken for that for sure. spot. And Jean Daniel Akpa Akpro. No, see that that's my point. From they, so the depth, it's, yeah. Big question. Big question mark. So I think because they're playing Champions League football, this this uh, this season coming up, it's going to be hard for them to juggle Champions League and Serie A. It's going to get the best of them, and they're going to fall down into uh, fifth place. Yeah. Fourth place, I have Napoli finishing fourth place. So uh, that's, a, that's quite an improvement. Now. That's an improvement for them. I like what they're doing. I like the signings they've brought in. Um, they brought that one signing in. Um, I'll What's tell you right now his name. I always yeah. butcher his name. I forget his name. Osmine, I believe it is. Yep. Let me confirm 100%. Osman, I believe it's pronounced. Victor. First name's Victor. Yep. 70, $70 million he's brought in for from Leo. Center yep. forward. I think he's... Scored a hat-trick in his first friendly game. In yeah. 11 minutes, I believe it was. Crazy. I, I, think, uh, I think what Gennaro Gattuso is doing there... Is is huge. I mean, uh, he, people got people forget. Gennaro Gattuso took over from Carlo Ancelotti, and uh, now he's you know he understands this Napoli team now. He was basically thrown in the fire with Napoli. Like you got here's the Napoli team. Do well. Yeah, and he did a good job at Milano too. He did a good job at Milano. I think he's doing a good job at Napoli. He's really got a grasp on what this identity is of this Napoli team, and uh, they, they offloaded a bunch of dead weight too. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, older players are gone, which is yeah. good. Jose, and so Jose Callejon was released. Yeah, Kierkegaard uh, is gone too. Yeah, Kierkegaard, Mark Rodriguez was uh, transferred out to Cagliari. That was finalized. Yep. Alan, he's at Everton now. Yep. So that's a big piece missing in the midfield. But if you look at that forward line, they have a forward line that you know everyone in City I wish I think would wish to have with exactly Gries Martins right now. Uh, yeah, Fernando Llorente, Andrea Patania's there. Yeah. He probably is going to end up going back to Spa. You have Milik, Esteteris Martins. Yeah. Yeah. And, Insigne, yeah. That, and the, and the thing, good, too, is really Napoli and Roma are still trying to work out a, a swap deal in mm -hmm. that uh, Milik goes to Roma and Cenghi's Under Which can happen, goes to Napoli. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that would be huge. Cenghi's Under, yes, he's underwhelmed at Roma, but he could probably fit into Gattuso system, no problem. So that's why I have Napoli finishing fourth. Yeah. Great, great forwards there. Definitely. Great forwards there. Atalanta, third place. I think I think the top three is going to be tight. And I think Atalanta is going to really punch for uh, for Scudetto. They're going so to have, once again, Roma. Roma, seventh. Milan, sixth. Lazio, fifth. Yeah. Napoli, fourth. Yeah. And this is where the gulf starts. This is the big gap. The big gap. And I think Atalanta... The cream of the crop. Yeah. I think Atalanta is going to challenge for the Scudetto. You know they have. They're not. They're Castagna is gone. Um, they sold him. Yeah, went to Leicester, I believe. I believe he went to Leicester. But other than that, they have. You know what? That's the beauty of Atalanta. What they've been doing for years. Guys like Castagna, they come in. Yeah. See you later. See Replaced. You. Make your money. They replace no problem. Exactly. And they've already made some. 
I gotta say, pretty good signings. But keep going. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who those signings are in a second. Yeah, they've made some good signings. Uh, you know, obviously trying to shore up their right back with either Zeppa Costa or Florenzi, which I think will be great for them. Um, so that's why I have Atalanta. And, you know, Papu Gomez is staying. He's a leader. And so that's why Atalanta is going to be a third. I really think they're not going to be far off from a Scudetto pace this year. And, uh, you know, they, they learned a lot last season, uh, you know, sticking it up with PSG in the Champions League, making it as far as they did. They know what it takes now to get to the next level. And I think... Uh, they're going to try and show that they can make it to that next level now. Yeah, 100%. So. I agree. And, you know, and so the players they signed, the big one, was uh, they signed two youth players from Juve. Christian Romero. Yep. Loan fee for $2 million. And they bought Simone Muratore for $7 mil. I think I butchered that, but they signed two uh, young Juve players. The big signing... Which has been a little bit under the radar was this Alexei Miranchuk from Locomotive Moscow. Now a lot of people are going to be like, "Who's that?" But he's coming off an amazing uh, the last World Cup. He had quite a showing with the Russian national team. I believe one of their better performances in recent years. He's really stepped up his uh, career numbers. He's turned into a, a goal scoring midfield for that Russian team. I know it's you know you can't compare it to Syria, but he scored in the double digits for the first time uh, last season. This season, he already played four games in the uh, Premier League, one in Russia. Four games, he got two goals and assists already. So it shows he's on form. He has a, an eye for goal. And that's what Atalanta does. They sign these players that no one thinks of, no one thinks of off the radar. And uh, these guys perform. They, they lock down Pasolic, too. I don't know what's going to happen to Ilic. That'll be interesting. I know he came back. From came Sl- back. Yeah, yeah, he came back from Slovenia, but... I don't know what Gasparini's going to do with him, but yeah, I think Miranchuk's going to be a player to watch out for because uh, Atalanta, they just have a nose for these kinds of signings. It's it's, un, it's unreal. So For sure, for yeah. sure. And then uh, moving on to number two, I think uh, Andrea Pirlo's Juventus is going to finish too. They're going to focus more on the Champions League. I think that's where they really need to win. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's going to distract them from Scudetto. You've won it, what, nine years in a row now? Nine so years, yeah. does it really matter if you win a Scudetto again? No. And I think everybody's sick of seeing it. Well, yeah, I mean, it would matter. But I think more so the Champions League is the main goal for Juventus always, this yeah, year. Always has been. It's, it's an obsession for them. Yeah, I think that's next. Uh, so that's going to distract them. So I have Inter winning the Scudetto this year. All right. I have not won the Scudetto this year. I mean, uh, Conte's getting the signings he wants. Um, do I agree with the signings? Not really. Kolarov... Vidal rumored, so he's he, he's going with veterans that he that he's gonna try and really light the fire under them. But uh, I think they're gonna have enough to win the Scudetto because uh, I really don't think they're gonna. I really think the focus is the Scudetto for Inter. I really don't. Th- I think Scudetto first, then Champions League. Yeah, it it has to be. Um, you know, like I was saying with coaching before, and especially Conte, you have to put. 100% faith in the coach. Myself, the signings are a bit, they're a bit crazy. They don't, you know, but you have to, you have to have faith in them. Like, yeah, Kolarov, two seasons ago, he was probably the best left back in City at in regards to the offensive part of the game. For whatever reason, under Paulo Fonseca, he's lost that left back spot. I don't know if he got that bad in one year. He's regressed that much, so hopefully he can bring some of that form from two years ago. 
Inter did get rid of Biragi, so right now I believe we're running with uh, Kolarov and Ashley Young on the left side. You know, two veterans of the game. Uh, which is good. To win, it's very hard to win with kids. You need veterans, but the problem is with veterans, you got to start replacing them at, at a certain point in time. You know, so hopefully Inter doesn't lock too much money down and kind of strangle their finances. Uh, that's the only one worry about taking this route, but you know, they signed Senzi to a long-term deal. I love the signing of Hakimi. At right back, Hakimi and Dumbrose is going to be unreal. Uh, so that's that's what I think about Conte's signings. Awesome. So, yeah. can you give us your uh, can you give us your top seven? Yes, I can. Again, I'm making it up off the off the top of my head, but I believe I'm going to do it in reverse order. I've been thinking from the top down more so and I, I'm going to continue with Inter I think this is Inter's year to win the Scudetto yeah I agree I can't see Conte you know they're on an upward trajectory I think they got a head start over this Juve Juve is going to be in a bit of a rebuild this uh, time around they're unloading a whole bunch of players new coach new assistant coach you know I think they've realized that they have a lot of money tied up in Ronaldo, so they have to sell a lot of their players, especially with COVID-19 now. Yeah. Teams aren't bringing in that revenue. They can't rely on that money, so they had to get rid of, for example, Pjanic, Romero, who went to Atalanta, Vlasimir Tudi. You know, these are all wage bills they're clearing. And they brought in, they did bring in Artur, Weston McKenney, good signing. So it's going to be a brand new team. So that's why I think Inter... Inter's going to have uh, pretty much good continuity with their squad, a good Italian core of players, and uh, they got arguably one of the best strikers in Serie A, Lukaku, arguably the best one-two punch in, in Serie A with Lautaro as a support. You have probably the best two Italian midfielders in the game, Senzi and Barella. You know, especially Senzi missed the end of that the end of that uh, season last year and that, I think that really put a damper on Inter's season if he was there I think it would have made a big difference and then we have the best defense in Italy and then you have one of the best goalies in Italy too I believe his contract is set to expire at the end of the season but I think they're renewing it for a couple more years and I think Andanovic they're going to part ways because he's getting up yeah, there in age it is time. they got they have the squad if they don't win it this year I don't know when they're ever going to win it again so that's my number one. Okay. Number two is Juve for the reasons I stated before. They're a new team, but they're still freaking good. They're still Juve. They always find a way to be in the top. Uh, but I think it's just going to have the edge of them. So I don't have much else to say about Juve, but Juve is going to finish in the top two. If they get Luis Suarez, which we were talking about, Giorgio Chiellini, Luis Suarez, that's going to be a funny, uh, funny thing to see them both in the Juve jersey standing side by side. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but once again, Luis Suarez, I don't know. I think he's kind of past it. I don't think he's going to add anything that Iguain couldn't have done. So no. I don't see him making the team too much better. That's Ronaldo's spot. Even though he doesn't play a striker, that's Ronaldo's spot. No one takes that center from him. He runs in from wide, comes in, scores, and that's it. Uh, my third place, this is where it gets a bit tricky, but Atalanta for me, I think they're going to retain it. I think they will struggle a bit more this year. Uh, 
like we saw in the PSG game, they were gassed. I think that's going to be a big thing for this time for them this time around. They're going to learn. They're going to have to learn how to pace themselves playing every other, you know, playing every three days. Uh, I think that's going to be their biggest challenge. Yeah, is Gasperini. He failed at Inter for that reason. It was a very short stint. Um, but you can't play, you know, pedal to the metal all the time. You can't. Your teams are going to gas up. You're going to capitulate. So I hope Gasparini can learn from those previous experiences and re- and get that third spot and, you know, have a good showing for, for City and Atalanta and Champions League. Uh, my fourth place team, I'm going to keep it pretty safe. You know what? No, I'm going to... I'm gonna change it up again. Okay. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Milan was gonna finish fourth. This wow. Time AC Milan. That's and a bold statement. It is. I think they, uh, I think they they got to me. They have the best left back in the league. They have the Italian national goalkeeper. A bit suspect at center back, but Alessio Romagnoli. I think he, you know, if he has a great season. I think that should be fine. They got the legends left. Like Ibrahimovic ever since he's been back, they've been unreal. They've been. The most informed team in City. Yeah. The midfield's been greatly improved with uh, signings from last year. Um, so that's my my shout out for Milan. I, I don't think they're gonna do bad at all. Uh, solid team. They got rid of players they don't need anymore. They got rid of Suso last season. They made some money on him. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, who didn't feature much, he's gone. Lucas Bilia, they cut ties with. Giacomo Bonaventura, I love him, but they also cut ties with him. So they're bringing in this new generation of player, new new Milan team. I think they're going to do pretty well. Um, So that's my top four. Inter, Juve, Atalanta, AC Milan. Okay. My fifth, sixth, and seventh. I'm going to say Napoli in fifth. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail. You cover them, uh, you know, enough. But I think that's what Gattuso is capable of for me. I'm gonna say, sorry, I'm gonna say Lazio fifth, then I'll put uh, Napoli in sixth, and then Roma seventh. seventh, and then the middle of the pack. Yeah, the middle of the pack's kind of a toss up. Be a toss up. It is gonna that's be a toss up. Uh, that's my top. So what? So what do you think about? You know, we kind of touched on all this, but any big transfers, any rumors stand out to your mind? Ah. Uh. Not really. I mean, the the one thing that I was looking at was the. I mean, obviously, being very selfish is the Milik potential at Roma. Um, I know he was holding out a little bit. I know he had preferred Juve, and then uh, but Milik being the replacement to Eden Zeko, Eden Zeko goes to Juventus. I mean, that's the big one for me. Uh, but uh, you know, with Nicolo Zaniolo out now, I mean, it's not a big transfer for me anymore. I'm I'm more in like a. I'm in a I'm in a mourning right now, yeah. um, more so than anything. Especially, uh, you know, just wish Nicole Zaniolo a speedy recovery and uh, hope he does well. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, nothing really catches my eye. How about you? But, well, for me, I was going to ask you. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what Artur can do for Juve. He was kind of a he came in very promising at Barca, didn't work out. I don't know if it was personality reasons, clashes with the coach. I have no idea. He's a mainstay in the Brazilian team. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how he works with the uh, Pirlo, Pirlo yeah. system. Yeah, I think Pirlo is a good coach for him. 
it'll be it'll be interesting period to see how how Pirlo plays you know wants this game played. It'll be very very interesting and Kulusevski Kulusevski, you know, coming into the UA team, adding some depth, maybe kicking Bernadeski off the right wing. You know, Bernadeski's a hard worker. You got to give him credit for that, but maybe lacks a bit of that technical ability that and. Uh, you know, and precision that Kulusevski can bring. So that'll be interesting how he's brought into the team. And, uh, yeah, I think those are two interesting signings. I'm curious to see how they would uh, how they would work out. But Artur, they say he was supposed to be the next Iniesta. I've always wanted to see Iniesta in Serie A, so hopefully we'll see what he brings. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that concludes uh, part two. Part three, we'll uh, talk a bit about the Canadian Premier League. Hi, welcome back. In part three, we're going to talk about the Canadian Premier League. On a side note, I just want to make a correction. Uh, I stated Igor Tudor was the coach of, of Udinese for the last season in uh, Serie A. The correction is Luca Gotti was the manager as the interim, and uh, he will be currently residing as coach for Udinese season so that's the sign note so here we go we'll get into uh the cpl with christian our expert on the canadian premier league yeah so just wanted to uh review the first round of uh, the island games for the canadian premier league uh which is uh just wrapped up and uh we know the top four teams that are going into the next round which is the group stage in uh cavalry halifax wanderers forge fc and uh pacific fc um, you know, I think uh, all in all, the first round of games, the first stage was great. Uh, York 9, uh, barely missing out. Uh, you got uh, teams like Valour FC and Edmonton that uh, didn't look the greatest. But then uh, a big shout out to Atletico Ottawa, who are in their first season with Coach Mista. Um, and uh, punched above their weight. I think critics said they'd be lucky if they won one game. Uh, they actually won a couple. So they finished the season on eight points, um, three points out of uh, qualification for the second round of the Island Games. Um, so in the next round, uh, Cavalry, Halifax, Forge, and Pacific FC will all play each other. And then uh, they'll move on to the top two in that group will play each other for the championship. So that's the COVID-19 shortened season uh, for the Canadian Premier League. I think the... The league actually got it right in how they want to do it. It is a small league still with just eight teams now. Um, and uh, the way they did the structure, uh, all uh, playing in uh, Prince Edward Island, they did it right. Um, so just wanted to commend the Canadian Premier League on uh, doing a great job for this season and uh, putting together a, a really exciting first round. Uh, there's some really good talent in there. Um, a lot of uh, Canadian talent in uh, the Canadian Premier League. Um, and it's great exposure for our, uh, our Canadian players and uh, just wanted to uh, shout them out. Yeah, you know, it's nice. Canada's been in desperate need of a professional league for the longest time. And we finally got it. So go out and support the CPL, you know, and I just wanted to get one last tidbit from you, Christian, before we wrap up for today. Sure. Do you think the CPL gives a better platform for Canadian youth players uh, compared to MLS? 100%. I think so. Um, I think in about five years, the Canadian Premier League is going to be bigger in Canada than the Major League Soccer is. And there, here's my reason why. The reason why is Canadian Premier League is following a European structure um, for professional soccer. 
in that uh, you know teams when they buy and sell, they reap the profits from the transfers. Whereas in Major League Soccer, uh, it's it's almost as if the league owns the players. So whenever players get sold to other leagues, they're always for undisclosed fees. And I believe it's MLS's reason is they want to make sure that uh, their league is sustainable. And I understand that to a certain degree. But, uh, you know, the the structure of the Canadian Premier League, um, the potential that it has, it's going to be bigger than Major League Soccer. Um, and uh, I think uh, in, the, in the, the next four to five years, uh, maybe we'll see teams like Toronto FC, Vancouver, Whitecaps, and Montreal Impact uh, join in on the CPL. I... I know it's almost impossible right now, but it would be a huge statement for uh, Canadian professional soccer in this country. And, uh, you know, the way the league is structured, again, I'll go back to it, it's totally tailored to the development of uh, of Canadian players, um, whereas the Major League Soccer is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Major League Soccer is an American league, and its primary interest is the development of American soccer players. And uh, it was only a couple of years ago that uh, Canadian players were considered domestic players on their own Canadian clubs. And, uh, you know, which is shocking, uh, especially when uh, you have three clubs um, that make up the league from Canada. So at the end of the day, I think uh, the Canadian Premier League really needs to take the, take the stage for professional soccer and soccer development in uh, Canada. And, uh, you know, Canada is a great place to live. Uh, and I, a lot of players do know that. I mean, you got the likes of uh, Laurent Simon from Toronto FC, who was thrilled when he got to come back to Toronto FC, got to come to Toronto FC from LAFC because he was coming back to Canada. Um, and then you also got uh, players, former players like Sebastian Jovinko, who still goes back and forth between Canada and Saudi Arabia. Legend brought TFC their first ever MLS championship. So, yeah, Sebastian Jovinko over here. Of course, we love Seba, and uh, you know, goes to show you him coming back and forth. Goes to show you how great this country is. So once there's a little more structure, a little more money, and uh, you know, a little more uh, global marketing to the Canadian Premier League, I think you're going to see some players, um, maybe that we know from the European side, come in. I mean, we already have one um, for you, really, really, really deep Italian soccer fans. Uh, for those of you that remember Michele Paolucci, uh, owned by Juventus, played for Siena. Uh, he was notorious in his Siena days when Siena was in Serie A. He actually plays for Valur FC at the age of 34, I think he's 34, 35 years old. So Michele Paolucci is in the Canadian Premier League. And, uh, you know, that, you know, goes to show you that, uh, you know, there is some... Yeah, there's, a, there's an attraction to come play in Canada, big time. You know, players want to come here... You have the Ottawa team. They have tons of Spanish youth players coming from Atletico Madrid, exactly. who is the parent club to that team. You know, they're sending their players over. And uh, it, it's an amazing thing to see. The, the big measuring stick will be 2026, see how Canada performs. Yeah. You know, we don't want to go 0-3. You know, hopefully we can we don't get a victory or a draw at least this time around. Yeah, we don't. You know, it's been our... It'll be our first World Cup since the 80s, and that will be the true test to see the CPL. I know it's a long time from now, but... For sure, for sure. I think the minor things, if you want to see the CPL now on a measuring stick compared to Major League Soccer, the Canadian Championship's a big one. I mean, uh, that's where the CPL teams and the Canadian and the MLS teams do play each other. This year's structure is a little different in that uh, 
one of the MLS teams, uh, I forget how they're structuring it, will play the winner of the Island Games, uh, so the Canadian champion uh, in the final for that CONCACAF Champions League spot. So that's going to be exciting. And uh, whoever it is for the CPL, uh, we'll be cheering for them very loud and very proud, hoping that uh, CPL team will be represented in the CONCACAF Champions League. Beautiful. I think that concludes uh, episode one for Tifosi Football Radio. Thank you for joining us, and uh, stay tuned for many more episodes. Ciao ragazzi. Ciao.